Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. I am more than grateful that you have tuned in today, and and I'm particularly grateful that you want to listen to this show. It's because of your care and concern and, and your love over all the years that the Union Gospel Mission has been able to do what it does. We preach the gospel message, and we teach it to our men, and we do it because we believe. We believe that we are not ashamed, as the Bible tells us, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It, it truly is God's salvation to us who will believe. And as we're coming up to that time in Easter, I was just telling my good friend Steve Gasser, who is, is my producer today and was the producer of the show when I first started doing this almost 15 years ago, that I had a guest and, and he couldn't make it. I had notes and I didn't bring them. I have a Bible. It's in my briefcase, which is in my office. I have several Bibles, but apparently none of them are in my car. So it's you and it's me today. And, I, you know, I seldom have notes when I'm coming in to do the show. But I wanted to today because this is a particularly important time of year. There is no greater event that ever happened. There, there were two the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was heralded by the angels and overseen by a star that led the wise men there. And, and as so many have said, wise men still seek him today. And then the time that all history held its breath as the Son of God paid the price for those who could not pray, pay the price themselves. As I told the men the other day, we declared war on God in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided that what they wanted and what they needed what was better or, or whatever than what God had said. They believed the lie and they started to worship the created instead of the creator. They set up their very own form of religion when they first put on the fig leaf trying to appease God because they for the first time realized they were naked. From that time to this time, man has done nothing but rebel against God. It has been an ongoing theme throughout all of history. And so we bear, with, we bear those marks on us of that original sin. We are responsible for the original sin of Adam and Eve, and that price needed to be paid. If that were not enough, from the time we were born, we have been in rebellion against God. I've had a lot of people say, I'm not an enemy of God. Well, if you are not following Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. You have declared yourself more important, that you know what's best for you, that you know what's good for you. And by the way, I'm not excluding myself. 
I have been there all the way along trying to do things my way, get my own way, do things that I thought would make me happy. And the reality is that nothing satisfies, nothing fills the gap, nothing can take the place of the substitutionary atonement of God. When we come in brokenness, when we come on our knees, when we come repentant and we come by faith, Jesus said, I'll never turn you away. So we come and, and we, for maybe the very first time, realize just to a small degree the, the overall, this huge amount of sin that is in our lives. We realize maybe for the first time with just a little hint of what the gravity of what our sin has done. Until we come to that time when we say that we realize that we cannot pay the price. That our rebellion against God has brought on the condemnation of God. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is just. He is a loving God, but he's also a righteous God who will someday pour his wrath out on an unbelieving world. And so when we finally come to the point where we can say in our hearts, I deserve nothing more than God's wrath. I, I deserve nothing more than death, eternal death. Then we start to see with the clarity that God has, has made a provision, made a way, not to skate around his law, not to subvert it, but to pay it. And so on that first Christmas morning, Jesus was born to live a life, not just come, die, and pay the price, but to live a life that was totally righteous, totally holy, that he would be tempted in every single way, just as we are, but with the difference. He was born sinless, and he committed no sin of his own. And so this second member of the Holy Trinity of God was prepared to do what none of us could do, and that's pay the price for our sins so that those of us who will believe, who will come on bended knees to Christ, can be saved eternally from eternal death. <clears throat> and so I think a lot this time of year as we come to the Easter season, and I understand that I'm recording this show before Easter, but by the time you hear it, Good Friday will be over and we'll be headed for, for Easter Sunday. And so I wanted to take just a couple of minutes and reflect on what that really means. So I want you to see the scene. We have a God, the only God, the second member of the Trinity, the Son of the Father, who has come on a mission and for 33 years he has been performing his mission to reach out to declare the gospel that was coming. He would pay the price and what did that price look like? More than I think we can ever imagine. First, you have a man who is totally innocent of all the crimes that were, were foisted against him. He, he appears before an unjust judge. He is declared guilty of no crime he had done. 
He has been beaten until he is unrecognizable. He has had the crown of thorns jammed against his head, exposed to ridicule, blindfolded, punched, humiliated, and not for his sake, but for yours and for mine. They took him and they flogged him, which killed so many men. And now with his back torn to pieces and his face beaten, and the love that he has for the Father and the love that he had for those who will believe, he endures. Any time he wanted, he could have stopped it all. He could have done anything. He could have spoken the world, word, and they would have been ashes. Angels perched at the edge of heaven. <laughs> and yet, for the sake of, of the glory of God, the character of God, and for the love that he had for the believers, he endured. Carried through the dusty streets as he could no longer bear the weight of the cross, he fell in the dust and Simon the Cyrene would pick it up and carry it the rest of the way. Any of you that are in the medical field know that by now he's starting to go into shock. The body can't take this kind of punishment. Then they take him and they put him on a cruel tree. Again, at any moment he could stop it. I think of the times that I've been in pain nowhere near what Jesus is enduring and I can hardly stand it. And yet, if I could have stopped it, I'm sure I would have. But he didn't. He chose a greater path. Put on that cruel tree and having his wrists and his, his feet nailed to the cross. A rope tied around his middle and the only way that he could possibly get any air was to push himself up on those feet so painful to breathe. Placed between two thieves, there he was, ridiculed by the crowd, offered gall to, to him, and, and spit upon, and all the things that, that we have never had to endure ourselves. That day of torture and the feeling for the first time of the weight of God's, the Father's separation not from Jesus the Son, but from the fleshly man born. Because I don't want us to ever mistake the fact that, that the Father never turned his back on his beloved Son. But Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And it was our separation that Jesus felt on the cross. And yet he endured. They hoisted him and they left him and then these executioners, these men trained in death, decided that they had to, they had to make sure that the time was over before the Passover. If you've wondered why they went to break the legs, they went to break the legs because then they could no longer push themselves up and endure the pain to get one more breath of air. They would be incapable of, of raising themselves, and so death would come shortly. When they got to, to Jesus, he was already dead. They took the spear and they pierced him and water and blood ran out. If you've ever wondered about that, 
anybody in the medical profession can tell you that it's a sign that the blood is is starting to pool and the water is running out. These men were trained executioners, by the way. They knew that he was dead. They took him to the tomb that day, still in humiliation, still mocked. They put him in the tomb. They rolled the great rock in front of it. And the guards were told, hey, guard him. Make sure that none of his disciples come because they had said this deceiver will have his body stolen and then it will be twice as bad for us. I'm paraphrasing, yes. My brother, my physical brother, older than I am, intellectual, unbelieving, had one time mocked the whole thing in front of my children. And so I had little but to defend what happened that day. And he had said that, well, I don't believe Jesus was ever dead. He was just simply fainted from everything. And they put him in the tomb and he revived in the cool and he came out and appeared to the disciples and they thought he was risen and there's no more miracle to it. Okay, I want you to think about that for a minute. They have wrapped him in burial cloths. They have placed him on the cold rock. They've rolled the stone in front and the executioners have been guarding him all night. He's been beaten so severely that he could hardly see. He's been tortured on the cross. He's been beaten and flogged with a great whip. He has endured more than any man could ever endure. And yes, I know you're saying to me that people have been tortured. Well, none of them bore the weight of all the condemnation of all of humanity that Jesus bore on that cross. He felt all the pain. And he paid the price and he did it willingly. And so in the cool, my brother's assertion was that he would have revived. So think about that. Think of the condition he's in. And so this beaten, broken, bloody man sometime, somehow finds his way through the wrappings. He stumbles in the darkness. He bleeds on the floor. He finds the rock and somehow has superhuman strength to push it away. He sneaks past the guards. He comes into the town. He finds the disciples. And there he convinces them that he is the risen Lord of glory. Wow, you talk about something that takes faith. Man, that takes faith. I have a, another scenario. Jesus died on that cross, was buried in that tomb, was resurrected to life, appeared to the disciples, to the 500, and to his own apostles. He appeared to the women at the tomb. And he did this because he was God eternal. And he didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. He did it for the glory of the Father, for the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to this, what we call Easter, those of us who walk in the faith prefer the, the words Resurrection Sunday because that's what it is. It isn't about Easter eggs. It isn't about chocolate bunnies. It isn't about 
the the beautiful new clothing we all used to wear on Easter Sunday. It's about a resurrected Lord of glory. And I've reminded people many times that you cannot come on Christmas morning and adore the child in the manger and forget about the risen Lord of glory and forget about the cross, forget about the tomb. What does it take for me to realize that my sins were placed on him, that I was placed on that cross with him, that Paul had said if we died with him, we will rise with him. We have been crucified with Christ, although you didn't feel the humiliation. You didn't feel the pain. You didn't feel the sorrow. Neither did I. He did. He took it for us. When I stop and I think about all the things that Christ endured on the cross, I can barely stand all the sin that has been in my life and been there all my life. No, I'm not the man I once was. And that's a man I would never want to see again. But I still am human and still sinful and still impatient and still unkind sometimes and still selfish sometimes, wanting my way. And sometimes I, just like my forefathers and all of you have thought, whether I said it or not, that what I wanted, I needed, and I'm somehow forgetting that God knows best what I need. I don't always like what it is that's best for me. My children didn't always like what was best for them when they were punished, but it was best for them. We forget that we share in the crucifixion of Christ, that no matter what anybody should, should tell you, you, God never promised you that as a believer, you will be healthy, you will be wealthy, you will be wise, you will have all your dreams come true. On the contrary, he said you need to share in his suffering. He said that in this world you will have trouble. And I don't know anybody who can't attest to the fact that in this world you will have trouble. And so when I hear those things, it diminishes how we look at the cross and and it diminishes our walk with Christ because we start to take in a cavalier attitude that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for us and we don't get the opportunity to waltz through life just living our lives as if he did not exist and expect him to still take care of us at the end. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your love. He's worthy of your respect. And he's worthy of your obedience. And he's worthy of all those things from me as well. Do I fail? Yep, I do. And when I do... I have this great mediator between myself and the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has, has complete empathy because he has suffered. He has been tempted in every way like I have been tempted, and yet without sin. Amazing, don't you think? I mean, stop and think about it. You had no hope. If Jesus Christ 
had not done what he did, guess where you'd be? You'd be still in your sins. You know, that war that we talked about, the one that we declared in the Garden of Eden, I told the guys the other day when I was doing a sermon on patience, which sometimes I feel I have very little of, but I want that. And I told them two things. First of all, as far as patience go, if that's one of the fruit of the Spirit and every believer needs to have the fruit of the Spirit, don't listen to people that say, don't pray for patience because God will send trials. Pray for patience because that will bring a growth in the fruit of the Spirit and you will walk closer with, with Christ. But I also want them to completely understand that we declared this war in, in the garden and that there is only one way for us to negotiate the settlement. You've heard that, right, in, in world wars? Terms of surrender. Well, here's the terms of surrender in God's kingdom. It is totally unconditional. You come on God's terms. He declares you guilty, and the sentence is death, eternal death. No way around it. No way to mitigate it. You can't be a little better. You can't stop drinking, stop drugging, stop smoking, stop whatever it is you're doing, and clean up your act and expect that to take care and satisfy the wrath of God. That will not happen. There's only one way, and we talked about it early on. You need to come in brokenness before Christ, before the Father, before the Holy Spirit, broken, seeing for the first time your sin, not in its totality, but understanding. And you need to come to God. You need to come on your knees you need to come broken and you need to be coming in repentance because if you are not repentant of your life, if you're not wanting a 180 degree turn, then guess what? You're not wanting salvation. And he has specifically said, this is how you'll come. Now the good news, if you come to him that way, in faith and repentance, he will never, ever turn you away. It doesn't matter what your past has looked like. It doesn't matter whether you're smart, whether you're not smart, whether you're, you're thin, fat, whether you're black, white, no matter what the situation is, no matter how dark and black your sins are, when you come that way, you will come and he will not reject you. Paul knew that. Paul knew what kind of sinner he was. So as we come up to that Easter time, Brothers and sisters, I just want you to take seriously when you go to your churches. I want you to be serious when you sit in those pews. I want you to see the suffering of Christ that he did for you. And I want you to feel the joy of the love that he had for you. I want you to do all those things. And I want you to truly understand what this, this Easter or Resurrection Sunday is all about. I don't understand it all, but I want to. I want to love God with all my heart. And so, my brothers and sisters, until we meet again, as always, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.
wasted it all. His face is a photograph burned in my mind, but I pretend not to see him for the 21st time. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street. I pretend not to see him for the 21st time.